This is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly games club podcast discussing the worlds and workings of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. And this month we're talking about Hitman 2, a stealth action game developed by IO Interactive and published by Warner Brothers, although many changes on the publishing and ownership front of this series lately. Yeah, it's true. Uh, So... Uh, IO Interactive was actually purchased by Square Enix, and they put out a really successful uh, new iteration of the game only to uh, try to sell it back to the market. And it turns out uh, Square Enix's uh, CEO is actually a huge fan of this game, so big in fact that he believed that the only person that could do it right was the original publisher. So he sold it back to them for a loss of $43 million just to make sure it got put back in the right hand. So pretty happy about that. Yeah, it's a, it seems like a pretty cool story to me. It was like this team has been developing this series for, you know, two decades almost. It's or over two decades or something really? like that. Yep. It seems uh, at this point. It's a long time. Lineage uh, right there. Approaching two decades, I think it is. But um and the fact that they, you know, got to go out or you know, got to make this game on their terms and sort of buy back the ownership of the series was a, a pretty cool thing. Yep, I've been playing this since high school, so I was pretty excited. You know, this this series took a big pivot last year, or in 2016, when Hitman 2016 was launched, and it sort of had this episodic structure. And uh, Hitman 2 uses the same engine and follows closely on the heels of that, uh, not releasing episodically, but using the same sort of um, large, open, large-level structure and, you know, telling its story through through that non-linear aspect i think that was one of the more interesting things about the series for me or the the game at least this is my first foray into the series and i've quite enjoyed the the playground it lets you mess around with um you had objectives and many ways to get to those objectives but you had to figure out different ways it really rewarded replaying the same mission definitely you know, before we get too far into this, I want to just uh, give a quick spoiler warning. You know, this is a pretty plot-light game, but if you are sensitive to that stuff, we'll be doing spoilers, so you've been warned. Um, and another thing, uh, you know, Clint, I think you suggested this game. Um, if you wouldn't mind, what, what uh, to your mind, was the reason for us to, to pick this up, do a book club on it? Uh, like I said, I've been playing this game since high school, and it's one of those series that not a whole lot has changed, but uh, it's still fun, you know. 20 years later i don't know yeah good lord long time later it's 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 still really fun and it has gotten better and and it's modernized itself in a lot of ways and actually that episodic content thing i liked a lot just because of the way it made you play but this is a game where you don't play it start to finish you find a level you like and then you beat the ever-loving shit out of it you find 50 different ways 50 cool new ways to do it basically till you can get to the point where you can go in and and leave and hit your target and they never even knew you were there it's the coolest feeling yeah to the uninitiated just uh you know from a high level you play as agent 47 a very mr clean looking mofo who uh, has a barcode (laughs) on the back of his head and yet somehow is a master of disguise lots of hats many hats yeah, you, you work your way through these uh, large open levels trying to fulfill a contract assassination for the ICA, the International Contract Agency, um, although your allegiances do shift in, in classic spy camp fashion throughout the course of the game. Uh, it sounds, you know, fairly rote and dry, but... The plot doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the, the magic of this game is really what the player brings to it. 
But the plot think, is is its own little thing within each level too. That's the plot that matters. You're learning what's going on in that little sandbox, not the overarching story that ties everything together. Yeah, I think uh, it's exactly what it says on the tin. You play a game called Hitman. You're a hitman. There's not really any more plot you need to know beyond that. Nope. But like Clint said, it was the um, playing around within each level that I found was the really attractive part of the game to me. Maybe something that was more unique for this game. Um, you're able to explore these different characters, not your own character, but the people you're trying to kill most of the time. See their storylines, see them as they interact in different areas. Um, they offer you a large variety in the way that you can kill your targets at different locations, at different points in the routine. But because of that, they have a routine, they have a storyline. If you do action X, then they'll start doing this response to that and go off on a different branch of their storyline. So that's, I think, what um, Clint might have been talking about before, about really replaying a level over and over again until you, um, until you really kind of master it and really get the story of that level. Yeah, I can't believe like how many different branches they can cram into one little level too and that was one thing that the earlier games did but not nearly as well they didn't hold your hand at all so a lot of those things you never found but uh it gets a little more handholdy maybe a little a little too much in, in, the, in the new games but at least they they set up those challenges for you so you know that there's hey there there might be a cool way of of, of doing it this way and they kind of just put you on that path. This is like the perfect use case for achievements, in my opinion. It encourages you to try something you maybe wouldn't have on your own. It lets you know there's more out there, and it, you know, it challenges you. It, it keeps it interesting. So there were two separate achievements categories. There were the storyline missions, which you could press a button and follow, and you'd have little hot spots on the map. It would tell you where to go and what to do, pretty much. Uh, but those were only a small part of the different ways you could take out your target. Like um, you in the first level, for instance, in Miami, you can take out your target, the race car driver, by, um, I, I don't know, poisoning her IV bag after the race. And that's one of the storytelling missions. And you go through that, and it's pretty straightforward. You do what it tells you to do. But then there's achievements like... Um, I think the one I'm thinking of is where you poison the hot sauce shots that she takes after she wins, which requires a lot more knowledge of the level and looking about in the different nooks and crannies in the level until you get the idea for how it goes. And I like those better. I like the ones that didn't. And that's where I think it got a little handholdy. But I, um, I think the reason they did that with a few of them was just so that people that aren't familiar with the game can get an idea of, hey, you don't just play this one time and beat it and then you're done find new creative ways. Here's a couple cool, big storylines that you can follow, but also check out all these little crazy things that if you look a little bit more, you can find. I do believe that every assassination target has at least two storylines, two story missions to follow, which right away, you can tell the game's telling you that there are multiple ways to get to this target. Yeah, and the interesting thing is you can choose to completely ignore those as well. Like, there's nothing stopping you from just grabbing a silenced pistol and going up behind a person and taking them out that way, or really, you know, any other variety of ways. Push them off a balcony, uh, you know, put them in a mulcher. There's, there's <laughs> a million different options, and uh, the, the world is your oyster. 
oyster in terms of uh, ways to achieve your your contract. So this game kind of reminded me of Tacoma, a game we played earlier for the book club, in that both of them sort of involve nonlinear storytelling. Uh, Tacoma's, if you guys remember playing through that, there was a VCR rewind mechanic, which you could do... You could go back in time and see these recordings of these characters and then go back and follow another character's perspective afterwards and see how it goes. I think it worked really well for Tacoma, but this way is a little different. It's a little a little less artificial in a way. Uh, you're more part of the world as opposed to observing the storyline after it's taken place. I think this game did a very excellent job with that. Totally agree. And it's an interesting comparison in that, you know, you're scrubbing back and forth forth across a timeline and sort of seeing how uh, each of these worlds play out. Uh, one, one note I had taken down here is weaponizing save states to uh, achieve an assassination via Groundhog's Day. Uh, basically, <laughs> you're just sort of setting up this perfect chain of events that will allow you to kill uh, your contract in an interesting or novel way. Um, and yeah, it's it's sort of like that scrubbing back and forth on a timeline thing, except it's just using save states. <laughs> and it's so satisfying when you finally get that perfect kill, too. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, you know, it's interesting, we mentioned, you know, I mentioned weaponizing save states, but Clint, you, you played this game um, on certain levels uh, in silent assassin mode, which I think takes away that option, right? Correct. I don't know about uh, Hitman 2 specifically, but like I said, I've been playing this since the original Hitman 2 from like forever ago. I think it's worth just talking about the series and even like Hitman 1 levels since they're packaged into this. Hitman 1 was a little, I mean, they're all wonky, but that's part of what I love about them. Uh, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin was probably like the big intro to the series. Um, Then they had Contracts, Blood Money, Absolution, and I think then it was Hitman 1 and 2 that we know now. But uh, yeah, it used to be you uh, wouldn't really get any saves on on the higher levels. It would be pretty much, you've got to do this all in one shot. And it's not necessarily as long as the levels now. They're probably 20 to 30 minutes. And if you got really good, you could do it in like 10 to 15. But you'd have to do that all in one shot, zero mistakes. So when you sneak in there, kill the guy quietly, don't get caught, hide the body and sneak out and in your original suit, no weapons. Like that's like the best feeling. And that was, uh, it's not, it's not quite like that anymore, but, but it's, it's rewarding in different ways. I think some of the more rewarding things in in the game now in Hitman 1 and and Hitman 2, the one we're talking about now, is um, the various reactions that the NPCs have to your antics that you get up to in the game. Like, for instance, your main mode of sort of infiltrating and getting close to your targets is uh, via costumes. And (laughs) your subterfuge using these costumes requires just a massive suspension of disbelief because there's no way this guy's ever blending in as like a coconut ball salesman or a flamingo mascot or or a four-star general all in the same level you can assume these identities what about the flamingo guy that was probably like the best uh outfit from miami at least it is really funny, like how he's he's a master of disguise. But obviously, honestly, he's like the most easily spottable person you've ever seen. He's gigantic, as a completely bald, shaven head. Um, it's it's just so goofy seeing him. Like, oh yes, Agent Forty Seven, master of disguise. <laughs> <laughs> and in Miami, he's dressed up like Pitbull. 
Yep. <laughs> the the especially funny things is like the uh, the things that your character will say when he assumes these identities. Like when you're uh, as a server, like right after you poison something, you can offer them to guests and say, "I've heard these are to die for." <laughs> that just the campiness level is off yeah. the charts, and it's it's hilarious. It's really like a goofy goofy game at its core, and it's it's so fun. Yep, it knows what it is, and it leans into it. And I think the other thing it does really well, and kind of funnily, is the uh, uh, the ragdoll in this game is way over-proportioned. But they, they do it in a hilarious way, too. So if you shoot a guy in the head, he might go flying. And while that is kind of dumb, it's also really funny, and it kind of adds to that, take this game seriously, but not too seriously. Like, still have some fun with it, and I, I like how they do that. I don't know about you, but my go-to was always the throwing of the wrench. Um, you know, oh, yeah. give, me, give me three wrenches and I'll conquer the world. Um, <laughs> the best reaction, though, is um, you know, NPCs if they see you starting to attack them, they'll they'll yell out and be like, "Whoa, hey!" And the best one I heard was like, as a wrench flies towards her face, she yells, "I know karate." <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna help. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's just so goofy, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. In, in my opinion, like the amount of different weapons and options you have to me speak to that, you know, video game ideal of taking one city block and trying to model it as perfectly as possible. And this game, in my opinion, it, for some of its levels, really achieved that. Um, they modeled, you know, everything. There's nothing missing in these things. It almost looks like they took real blueprints and adapted them into a game. Yeah. The level design was very well done. Uh, they did feel like complete worlds. Uh, there were characters, not even always your targets, but like uh, secondary characters, even tertiary characters, seemed to have their own patterns and a little bit of a storyline that you could discover. Like in uh, Columbia, you had the bandmates who were passed out because they partied too hard the night before, so you got to revive them over there or fi- look for them in whatever gutters they crawled into from the night before. So I thought the... That was a nice touch. Yeah, that that even continues to ramp up. It seems like every every level does sort of have its interesting characters and and like you said, there's there's a lot of autonomy there. I think learning the patterns of the people is one of the main things that you're you're doing in this game. It's sort of learning the clockwork nature of each of the levels as you, you know, try and achieve your goal. Yep, all about discovery and it's not always necessarily like you say, it's not always about the discovery of something that's gonna help you in the mission. It's just the discovery of some cool new little tidbit that you didn't have before. It's interesting, you know, I guess uh, maybe it's worth just talking to, to, I know you guys didn't necessarily get to play through all of them, but what was some some favorite, uh, any favorite levels or favorite aspects of a certain level that you guys uh, recall? There was a side mission in Mumbai. Of, I don't think it, I don't remember if it was one of the storytelling missions, but uh, there's another assassin in that level who's trying to take out the targets you're trying to take them out so your assassination efforts can just be helping this guy along as it goes i thought it was a pretty creative take on the thing it's like okay well this isn't just you killing him this is like a different set of rules now because you're trying to cover this guy while he's uh taking people out you're trying to hide him or however that goes or system, yeah, that's interesting. I actually don't. I never uh, ran across that particular um, instance, which speaks to how big and sprawling these levels are. Um, one I found interesting was um, most of these levels are pretty over the top, but one uh, is just a suburban neighborhood, uh, the Vermont level, Whittleton Creek. It's just 
it's basically just a suburban neighborhood. Like, putting this completely over-the-top campy character, Agent 47, on an assassination contract in, like, the most mundane environment in the world is just kind of hilarious to me. But um, they still made it super interesting and still had a lot uh, going on on that level despite its, you know, on-the-surface mundanity. Yeah, actually, they had a level like that in one of the earlier games, too, where you're basically going and taking out a guy that was in the Witness Protection Program in just a suburban neighborhood, and that was probably one of my favorite levels from that game, too. So, Yeah, it's a cool idea. Um, honestly, I don't know that it was my favorite, but it was definitely a, a pretty cool one. I, I, it's really hard to beat Miami in this game, the first like yeah. full-fledged level. I think this game hides its light under a bushel a little bit with the, the actual first level, Hawks Bay. Yeah, um, It's small. It's It doesn't have any NPCs. It's just... Like, if you played that level and decided this game wasn't for you, I honestly don't blame you, but <laughs> go back and try Miami. <laughs> I was kind of the same way. After playing Hawks Bay, I was not very impressed, but then I went and did Miami afterwards, and you just see what they're doing with it, how big and kind of complete the world is, the levels that they build. Yeah, Hawks, Hawks Bay was a little bit of an outlier, and it was because... For once, they actually wanted to tell you a very particular story as you go in. And normally they do that with a couple cutscenes. But for I, I have not seen a level like that in any of the other Hitman games really since uh, Silent Assassin. Yeah, there's almost it's almost always about crowds, you know, it's about, you know, a real living, breathing world and, and Hawks Bay when you arrive, that that house is completely deserted. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a very big outlier to the game and I'm glad they got right back into like hitman 2 proper with miami which you know in my opinion is probably one of the better levels if not the best one it's yeah there's just a lot going on there it seems like each level has its own if not if not two three or four different like specific things like miami's got the racetrack the robotics expo the marina yeah you've got pretty much two major different levels within miami like the taking out the dad and the daughter are like two totally separate things that they're not even closely related which was pretty cool embarrassingly i actually really liked some of the other things so i think the the other modes are, are really cool in this game too you Obviously, should be embarrassed now yeah, <laughs> you enjoyed this video game how embarrassing i played about 10 hours of sniper assassin until i literally had every single challenge from sniper assassin <laughs> yeah that really hit a chord with you like i was I like plowing through the why. game and like I was plowing through the game. I'm like four or five levels in. Clint's like, well, I haven't gotten past my I haven't addiction left Miami too. yet. I <laughs> <laughs> haven't gotten past my sniper uh, addiction yet, which I, I know you... I played it with you once. That was actually really fun. Uh, we did a co-op version of that together, and uh, it was a pretty good time. Yeah, it had the same kind of theme, right? So you learn new ways like, oh, well, that guy's going to go over there at that time, and I can get him there. And if I time it just right, these two guys will be in that one spot where nobody's looking, and I can take them out without everybody seeing and like. Seriously, I can't believe I spent ten hours on that. It, it is just one level. You're you can't even move. You're you're just sitting in a sniper perch and and shooting at people down at this wedding. But well, honestly, though, like that that itself would be a perfectly serviceable game. And the fact that like that is just bolted onto uh, an entirely different like open world assassination experience is you know just shows that this it's a very um, versatile engine and. It can do a lot of different stuff pretty well. Yeah, I think that was just like the pre-order bonus. It was like, hey, if you want to pre-order, you can play this now. Or you can wait and play it later for free. No big deal. <laughs> you know what that kind of reminds me? There was this old indie game. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but I remember 
multiplayer game, two people. It was asymmetric. One person was a sniper, and the other person was the target at the party. And the target had to like uh, he had to act like a NPC so that the sniper couldn't tell which one he was. <laughs> yeah, it was called Spy Party. I remember that. It's like famously in development, like for. Ever, ever, and ever. <laughs> still <laughs> I think going. It's still huh? in development. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a cool out. idea. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it would be a fun game to check out. I think we could, we could probably organize that. Yeah, but outside of that, there was also contracts mode, and then the uh, elusive targets, which I think are one of the cooler uh, things that they, you know, brought into the the series lately. Uh, the elusive target being uh, a very time specific target. You get one shot. There's no going back. So. Uh, and sometimes they're really interesting. Like the first one in Hitman 2 was Sean Bean, the guy that dies in literally every movie and show ever is some guy called the undying and they have their own little storyline for him and they put him in a level that we've already played. So we kind of have an idea of what's going on, but there's like new storylines going on there. Um, I, I think those are really cool and it adds a level of tension too, because you're like, I really want to do this, but you only get one shot ever. So did, did you guys do that? I did. That elusive target in particular was really entertaining if you, you followed or tried to do it at least sort of by the book the first time because uh, the, the Sean Bean character talks to you throughout the course of it like you're in a meeting uh, with him, helping him, ironically, plan a hit because he's a, a, an assassin as well. And he looks over to you during the meeting and he's like, if you were sent here to kill me, how would you do it? <laughs> and you're like, well, hmm. Uh, yeah, obviously your character doesn't respond at all, but then I went over and poisoned his drink and he died. Okay. So Josh, how did you do it? I actually did a, that was the first time I tried the sniper rifle to kill someone. And well, that was a fun thing, navigating the level to get to a particular spot in order to do that. I also felt like I missed out on the storyline over there. I mean, I, I did the sni- I set up, and then I waited for the right character to show up, and then I shot him. Mm-hmm. You you did it from the uh, the announcer booth over there, right? It wasn't any different than if I was just doing the normal level and going through it. I felt like I didn't have anything extra out of that extra storyline they had. There was a surprising bit of content with him in there, um, although I don't even think I saw it all. Uh, I happened to get him away from his guards for like a minute while we were walking down a, a hallway and I, I jumped the gun and shot him in the back of the head three times and ran away. So there was going to, I know we were building up to something else. We were going to like a robotics lab and I was like, Ooh, I bet you we could you no know, kill him with the robots or do something crazy. I'm like, nah, I'm going to do this the easy way. <laughs> I shot him and I ran away. Yeah. That, that, those robots are great. I used those for uh, one of the assassinations on the mainline mission. It is worth noting, you know, you touched on this as you were talking about the elusive targets, but um, Hitman 2016 and, and now Hitman 2 are kind of, you know, games as a service-ish. Like, even though Hitman 2 was released uh, all at once rather than episodically like Hitman 2016, um, they have promised to continue supporting it with additional levels. They said they're still going to do the, um, you know, weekly updated contracts, elusive targets, escalation missions, which we need to talk about escalation missions because those are so fun. Yeah. Um, but there's just a yeah, it, a it's a, it's a labor of love for for IO. You can tell this isn't just some IP that they own. This is this is it. They created this. They went through hell and back to have it sold and, and and buy it back. This is their baby and they treat it really well and it shows. It's kind of like other games like 
it feels like an indie game almost, like games like Subnautica, things like that, things that the developers really put their heart and soul into, and you can tell. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but in almost like a triple A game. Yeah, I mean, I'd call it triple A. It's definitely triple A. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this has the high one of the, some of the highest production values of game that I've played this past year. So I would be hard pressed not to call it that. Yeah, any any game this uh, with this much depth and and as large as it is is going to lack a little polish sometimes. Uh, Skyrim, like <laughs> you can only put so much attention when there's so many places to put attention. We were talking about all these different modes, and it, it like I said, I, I touched on this earlier, but it's just so it's such a versatile engine. There's just so many different fun things to do and play within it, and you know those escalation missions. I want to just touch on how these work because I, I never think played so them. Interesting. Yeah, what are they I'll, like? I'll, I'll lay it out for you. Basically, um, an escalation mission like they'll choose a target on one of the levels that you had. Uh, chosen so maybe it'll be like the head engineer in um, the Kronstadt lab in Miami and they will say all right you need to take uh, you need to take him out using this weapon and not be seen so they give you the weapon or you'll need to locate the weapon take him out not be seen then they say all right you have to do that but you have to be in this costume and then so they just keep adding like additional um, conditions on top of that so then you got to do it all right weapon costume and uh, you need to um, exit via the speedboat or whatever. And there's just like all these these you know escalations that they have uh, sort of taking on additional constraints to make. It's basically like assassination horse. <laughs> it's that endless playability that they were really shooting for. And if all that fails, you still have contracts mode where literally any person can. It's basically anyone can make a escalation mission and basically what you do is you go in and you do it a certain way and then you say okay cool i did that that's the contract now you guys do it and you can post those on leaderboards and every week there's like you know here's the top rated 10 contracts for the week and it just keeps going yeah people get really uh creative with those too i remember doing a couple from uh, hitman one i haven't done any from hitman two yet um but the fact that they another thing that's worth noting for hitman 2 uh, is that they brought back and updated all of the levels from hitman 2016 for this game for a, a pretty reasonable price i think it was like 20 bucks and if you were a newcomer to this game and you were you didn't have all that content previously like wow what a value that's um, pretty good getting, deal yeah and <laughs> I think another thing that was worth mentioning, uh, we're just past the holidays here in early 2019. Uh, they brought back the holiday elusive target from Hitman 1 recently, where you take out basically two doppelgangers of the Home Alone wet bandits <laughs> in the Paris level. It's fantastic. Paris was an awesome level as well from the last one. So if you guys have never played this before, definitely go check out the Paris level fashion show. It's awesome. I, th- I think I spent 20 hours on that one alone, too. But that elusive target is worth doing because even for that, they add an extra skin over the entire level to make it decorated for the holidays. So even if you're familiar with the level, it's worth seeing just to see uh, the Paris mansion palace thing decorated all up for the holidays. So, uh, Brian, you played him in 2016 as well, correct? Mm-hmm. How did you uh, feel? Did you feel it was better as episodic or this all at once kind of thing? Yeah, actually, I I definitely think, (laughs) to me, I think it was probably slightly better suited to the episodic releases because um, I tend to want to just go through and see all the content and get a little bit of 
of ADD. So I would play through a level maybe once, twice, go through, maybe follow the directions once, let all hell break loose the second time, and then move on. That was how I played Hitman 2, because it was not episodic. I think the episodic nature of uh, Hitman 2016's release forced people to take their time at the levels, play it multiple times, really explore all the nooks and crannies. Like, if I'm thinking back to the first few that were released for that, Paris, a huge sprawling mansion, Sapienza, still, in my opinion, the best level that this series has put out. It's just a gigantic, sprawling uh, Italian um, Mediterranean village and villa um, on the scale of the biggest levels in Hitman 2. And while I think the content overall in Hitman 2 is probably better, um, I think Hitman 1's 20, or Hitman 2016's uh, episodic release sort of made it, it more anticipatory, at least, like as it was coming out. For, for me. sure. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Now, I, I do like that they give it to you all up front, but uh, definitely agree with like when Paris came out. I was super excited. I'm like, yes, new level. Spent a long time. I, I like you know, got to level 20 and in that one, then Sapienza came out, did the same thing. But again, when you get Hitman 2 and you get it all at once, you're much less likely to explore everything to the depths that you can because, well, there's six other levels stacked right behind this one. Yeah, it, it's true. Like, I, I get ADD with stuff like that. And while all of those levels do warrant the, like, you know, 20-plus playthroughs that you're probably going to end up doing on them if you want to get all the challenges... Um, most players won't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to, I have to go back to the previous model, personally. Well, yeah, I guess it's a little late, and uh, honestly, I'm not sure if we're going to see another one of these, because as I understand it, Hitman 2 didn't do particularly great, unfortunately. They've had these before. The, it, it'll be back, promise. Uh, it, <laughs> go, away. <laughs> well, these go back and forth. They have a big hit. They have one that doesn't land quite right, and it's it's it comes right back. This is this is their this is their main thing. This is their this is it. Bread and butter. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope you're right because I you know it's it's just it's an interesting formula. No one else is doing anything like this in terms of like a stealth sort of heist slash action game with assassinations and at this scale, it's just it's something special. And I hope it. I hope they keep getting to do it. Well, one of the things I think that was very good about this game is. When you've when I first picked up this game and found out, oh, it's called Hitman. I'm going to be a Hitman. Okay, I almost pictured more of like a kind of like a Metal Gear Solid stealth type of game, where it would be much more linear in how it goes. And one of the interesting, the most interesting things about this game was was that it was you go to a level and you have to do this investigation type of thing. You have to get to know the level. You have to get to know the characters. You have to put in this work to kind of understand how the clock tick-tocks its way uh, through the game. And um, once you get the rhythms of a level, then you can really start improvising and being like, okay, I took out the target over here. What if I waited till later or waited till after they ran away or tried to get them earlier on the way in? Um, You really had to investigate and that's how it unlocks the different storylines within the levels, the things the targets and the secondary NPCs do. You kind of get to know that, and that's how you get the most enjoyment out of the game. So just like you would, I guess, if you're actually planning a hit, you would have to get to know your target and what they're doing and where and when. I did not expect that part of the 
process to be included in the game or to be as fun as it was. Yeah, that's a good point. They definitely, they lean into that sort of making you do Cradle to Grave, the full spy thing. And I think, you know, really playing up the, the classic spy, like, role that you're, you're in is one of this game's strength. Um, you know, I guess <laughs> this game's story isn't completely, you know, isn't really top of mind to me, but it is worth mentioning you are basically just a classic spy going up against a mysterious, like, Illuminati-type figure uh, in the the actual plot of this game, that's sort of what you're continuing to do. These hits to do is to bring down this this shadowy organization that runs the world. Um, you know, like so many games these days, it's basically just all about uh, how uh, wealth inequality and the shittiness of rich people uh, seem to permeate every aspect of our existence. Uh, there's no rich person in this game that isn't guilty of at least one war crime. And uh, honestly, it seems like every uh, every mission is about a new rich, terrible person and what they've, uh, they've done to wrong the world. But, um, you know, I guess it's a game that wears its sort of like mustache twirling villain, villainy and spy campiness on its sleeve. And, uh, for that, I I can I can give it a pass. You know, I, I I'm not holding this game to tell like deep truths about the world. I don't think it meant to be a overly serious game. Not when yeah. you're assassinating people in a flamingo costume. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this this game does exactly what it's supposed to be in it, and it does it very well. Nothing left. I say we go ahead and hit some three word reviews. All right, so. First of all, I would give this game two thumbs up. I really enjoyed it. Great time playing it. Lots of fun. My three-word review for this game is Nooks and Crannies because it makes you want to explore every little nook and cranny, and they include a hell of a lot of them. Very, very rewarding on that front. Yeah, I think it's it's clear from how I've been talking about this game that I am also a, a huge two thumbs up person for this as well. Um, I look forward to the continued you know output from from this team. I'm looking forward to the DLC that's coming down the pipe. My three word review is superb slapstick subterf- subterfuge. Say that three times fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> because what what really sticks out to me about this game is, despite you know how satisfying the action is, uh, this sort of slapstick comedy aspect of it is what keeps me coming back. It's just entertaining, campy, uh, and funny. Uh, definitely a big thumbs up for me, too. Like I said, I've been playing this series for the longest time. I've enjoyed every bit of it. And uh, to quote Kanye, my uh, three-word review is bigger, better, faster. Just because this game is all about, okay, yeah, I saw what you did there, but... Could you do it a little quieter? Could you do it a little more exciting? Could you find a new way to do it? And it, and it keeps pulling with that thread, and I enjoy that a lot. I think it's harder, faster, stronger, but eh, close enough. <laughs> hey, I'm taking uh, creative liberties here. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, uh, that concludes our discussion on Hitman 2. Next month's game will be Brogue, uh, one of the early and initial rogue rogue games i guess one of the founding rogues uh that are out there uh, not quite it was uh developed i think in 2009 mm. so it's like a basically a a modern take on a classic yep and i think it does a good job with what i've played around with it so far well, I'm going to pepper in plenty of discussion on all of the roguelikes and roguelites that I've played over the last year of which there are many uh, as we have that discussion as well. And I would submit that this was also a rogue 
like game, but Josh will strongly disagree with me. We've already been down this path a couple times. <laughs> I think I think you can make the argument if you play it a certain way, almost any game could turn into a roguelite, roguelike, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> All right, well, um, let's uh, go ahead and sign off uh, for Video Game Book Club. I'm Brian Skershaw. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. Keep it real. Keep it real.